and welcome to Kitten Whiskers and Kanye, the podcast where we talk about the history of and take a not-too-deep look at our favorite things. My name's mm-hmm. Audrey Stratton. My name's Carmen Thorley. And Carmen, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. It's, it's really weird, um, like, being on this opposite schedule from you now. I know. Um, because, like... I've only been awake for about an hour now. I know. And I know it's you've weird. been awake all day. And so, like, for me, I'm like, oh, gotta eat breakfast before I go talk to Carmen. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I can't even think about having to cook dinner right now. Oh. <laughs> It'll be a baked potato. It's it's a, it's a staple. A staple! Yeah, an easy one. Yeah. So you've been in school for a few weeks now. Yeah. Um, do you have any time for, like fun stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not taking a lot of credits this semester. I just needed to ease into it. And I, in fact, okay, I actually needed to tell our bosses this because I dropped one of my classes because <laughs> so <laughs> my second block classes one started last Wednesday and I was not aware. I I should have been aware. My fault. <laughs> but Ooh. they started Wednesday and I was not there. And so on Monday I'm all prepared to go, but I didn't really check the building like locations before I started walking to class and I realized that I had 10 minutes to get across the highway to the National Guard building that was like west of campus. And so I like go outside and I don't think rationally and realize that it's impossible to do this. I just say, I'm going to try. I'll be 20 minutes late, but I'm going to go and I'll explain to her in person why I cannot attend her class anymore. (laughs) And so I like start, I, I start rapidly walking for about 15 minutes and so 15 minutes in, I just realized this is ridiculous. So I walk all the way back and I'm just so hot. It was a pretty warm day. Mm-hmm. And I walk back and I drop my class. Um, and it just so happens the, it was the last day to drop classes. So it was a very lucky day for oh, Carm. Wow. Anyway, stupid long um, story about how, yes, I have more free time than I was expecting. So yeah, I mean, 50% of my time at home is probably spent on homework and 50%, you know, on leisurely, leisurely stuff. Nice. It's yeah, it's it's nice. It's a lot more reading than I expected for non-English major classes. <laughs> so, I mean, I I have to read a lot of dumb philosophy, but I not dumb philosophy, just kind of hard to grasp philosophy, but I still have time to read um, oh, on good. my own. Yeah. That's good. What are you reading? Well, I was reading it, which started to be really good. It was just kind of a bigger bite than I realized. So, I got a little bit through that, but I started rereading uh, Game of Thrones, uh, the second one, because I stopped halfway through um, because the season started, <laughs> the, the most recent season started, and I lost interest. Doesn't really matter where I'm getting I'm getting Game of Thrones from, I just want it in book form or show form. Doesn't matter. You just gotta, gotta <laughs> like get your fix, man. Gotta, gotta get, get your fix. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, and those are hefty books, too. Yeah, they're really big. I actually can't physically understand how big because I have them on my Kindle, but mm-hmm. I mean... You know, I'll be reading for half an hour and I don't even make a little dent in that little progress bar. Oh my gosh, that, that progress bar. It's I'm, rough. I do. It's it's discouraging. It really is. Yeah, I'm. So I'm one of those people, and I think you're the same way. Where like it doesn't really matter if it's a physical form or a digital mm-hmm. form. Like you know, just whatever I have access to. Like I'll right. read it. I just and, you know. I, just, I feel yeah. I feel you with that progress bar. Mm-hmm. It's so weird because, you know, having grown up, you know, childhood, high school, early adulthood, not having an Mm e-reader, 
it's it's there's this weird comfort in being able to like look at the book and be like oh I made progress yeah yeah and you put you you know you pinch either side of like this is how much I've read this is how much I have left and you just kind mm-hmm. of like yeah it's really mm-hmm. satisfying and that's a big downside of Kindles you know in the midst of many many upsides yeah but yeah not being able to hold the book is a big deal to me so I'm actually not a huge fan of Game of Thrones. Um, I tried reading the first book when I was in mm-hmm. high school, and there were a lot of things. You have to keep in mind, innocent, sweet, pure Audrey. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. <laughs> a lot of things went over my head there. No, so even me now. Even me now, interested. it's a bit overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I finished it. I'm pretty sure I finished it, but mm-hmm. I honestly I do not remember. Right, I mean a whole it's lot. it's whatever. If you if you did watch the first season, I don't ever know if you were interested in watching the show, but like the first season is the only one that is actually just seem, it seems like it's just word for word for the book, and it's just so well made. I just wish they had higher production value that early on. But um, as I was actually researching our topic tonight. I noticed a lot of similarities, and I don't know why, I mean, I know why I did it before I wasn't watching Game of Thrones in high school, I guess, is what it was, but I mean, I'm a really big fan of Greek mythology, and thought I was pretty familiar with most of the stories, but re I don't know, um, it is dramatic and violent and full of nasty, nasty people, oh my <laughs> just gosh. like Game of Thrones. And I was reading it, and I kept telling him, I was like, did you know that, like, it this this myth actually, like, this happened? And it's just, ugh. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I get it, because I, too, researched a little bit into Greek mythology for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are, <laughs> there's a couple of stories where I was just like, oh, boy, this is... Yeah, it's rough. Rough. It- it actually reminds me of your uh, fairy tales episode a little bit. <laughs> it does. But I will I think say that this. will make it a little fun though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say this about um, fairy tales. At least the hero in most fairy tales is a good sympathetic guy. and yeah. a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, which... that's actually like one of the really that's one of the big things that I want to talk about. It actually there's one Yeah, there's one character in Greek mythology that can, or like at least one myth that has like both um, really big themes in Greek mythology within it. Um, yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, where do you want to start? So in high school, when I was in high school, there were two, I can't remember what the other option was, but there were two options to fulfill a requirement, a certain requirement. One of them was something that was so boring I can't even remember. <laughs> and another one was Greek mythology with Miss Crampton, who everyone talked about. All, like, she, just, she was legendary at my school. So I signed up for Greek mythology and ended up taking that class with her. Um, and it was such an incredible experience. I, I mean, you know, that, you know that there are a lot of influences of Greek mythology in culture and paintings and stories and language and stuff like that. But learning just the magnitude of the whole thing was really, really rewarding. So I actually ended up going to on a little senior trip with my teacher and a few other students to Greece, and we got to kind of experience firsthand a bunch of the places that our favorite myths were, you know, believed and Mm -hmm. worshipped. You know, we went to the Parthenon and we went to the Temple of Zeus and a theater, I think, maybe belonged to Dionysus, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Ooh. Or was at least in, yeah, 
was in tribute to Dionysus. It was a really, really fun trip. And so, I mean, honestly, that class is that trip and that class and that teacher have stuck with me for a really, really long time. And so I've always had a really big interest in Greek mythology. And when we were talking about some of our favorite things that we wanted to talk about, I... I brought this up and was hesitant because I thought it might be boring, but I was wrong. <laughs> oh, it's, it's super not boring. Awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really super intense. That's yeah. It's so good. It's so good when you have a teacher that like mm -hmm. really helps you get into something. Yep. Yep. So. I had another I had I had two teachers that did that. Miss Mrs. Crampton and Mr. Negro were two of the most influential teachers of my life. And they're awesome, and I doubt they're listening, but I... Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> to start things off with the myths themselves, every culture has a creation myth. What's right. Greeks? Right. So this is actually interesting because um, oral tradition is really important in Greek mythology, where it was more about the storytelling. I mean, it was just about as much about the storytelling as it was about the stories themselves. Um, but they weren't written down necessarily for the first few times they were circulated. And so there's a there's, you know, there's no there's not a lot of really clear cut just stories written that explain the myths. There are just a lot of explanations of, you know, what supposedly happened and stuff like that. So I actually found two different I found two conflicting creation myths. And I'm going to talk about the one that I think is cooler <laughs> <laughs> that I think actually is the one that I learned in my mythology class. And so I think it does have a little bit more credibility um, so in the beginning, there was eternal nothing or chaos, as the other um, account said. Um, Nyx was the only thing that existed, and she was a bird with black wings. And Nyx made a golden egg. And from that egg, Eros was born. And I love that because Eros is the god of love and is, you know, kind of the first thing to come into the universe. It's, it's, oh my gosh. it's really special. I told you, it's, I it love gets that. better. It gets better. Um, so anyway, the shell of that egg separate into the sky and the earth, um, because the sky and our earth are the only thing that exists. <laughs> and the sky became Uranus, and earth became Gaia. Uranus and Gaia fall in love, and they have a bunch of children, one of which was Cronus, um, also known as Saturn. Uh, Cronus was really afraid of his children because he was really scared that they were going to be a lot more powerful than him. And so to fix this, he ate them. And there's actually a really, really famous painting depicting this part. And it's one of the most horrifying images. It's really, really scary. I'm sorry to get yeah. real, like, real fast, but this is how it opens. And ironically okay. enough, evil <laughs> isn't necessarily released into the, the world yet. And yet Cronus exists. So it's really confusing to me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah. because you can't, you can't blame evil on men, right? No. You have to blame it on... Something bigger than that. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> oh that's that's what Pandora did, right? She released right. all of the evil into yeah, the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Eve did, too. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> I know. It's extremely frustrating. It's... Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so, Rhea, uh, Cronus's wife, saves one of her children, and this happens to be the most popular god ever. Zeus, you know, king of the gods, Right. Um, she tries jock. to, well, yeah, the <laughs> senior class president, <laughs> all around, all around popular good guy. No, no, my senior class president no. was actually an all around popular awesome person, but this, yeah, this wasn't. no, Zeus, Zeus is not Zeus is um, <laughs> he's nasty. the class president that bought his way there. Yeah, and also Icky. is on the football <laughs> team, and he would he would be 
quarterback if he could buy his way there, but he's just not quite he's just talented not talented enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. Um, so um, Rhea convinces her son Zeus that when he comes of age, that he needs to free his brothers and sisters that are still being just eaten by his father. So he does this, and he releases Poseidon and Hades and Demeter and Hestia and Hera. And together, Zeus and his siblings defeat Cronus, and very satisfying. Um, so these gods all together have a bunch of children, too. I mean, it would it, Zeus and Hera end up being married. It would appear that there's incestual stuff going on, which is like my first little Game of Thrones little ding-ding, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, but, you know, at this point, it didn't really, it, it wasn't in the forefront of any of the stories. So all of these gods have a bunch of children together. And of those children were Prometheus and Epi- Epimetheus. <laughs> They're kind of hard names to pronounce. Anyway, Prometheus and Epimetheus are directed to create men and animals on the earth. Epimetheus creates all the animals in the time that Pre- Prometheus creates man, because a man is a little bit more complicated. Unfortunately, when Epimetheus was creating these animals, he gave away all of the gifts that he had to the animals and had none left to give to man. So Prometheus was really upset by this and felt really, really bad that the humans didn't really have a leg up, so he gave them fire. And Zeus finds out and just loses his mind and punishes him by nailing him to a, or just securing him to a rock and having a bird come and peck out his liver every day for the rest of his life. And I mean, like, he reheals every time it happens. Well, and yeah i mean could could be worse yeah you know <sighs> these these gods man when they come up with punishments they no are, they're brutal and they're, they're symbolic brutal. af <laughs> yeah they're brutal but you have to admire their creativity oh yeah yeah they're <laughs> very colorful <laughs> So Zeus successfully punishes Prometheus, I would say. And so uh, he wants to punish man as well. So he creates what? Uh, is that Pandora's box? That's right. He creates a woman <laughs> named Pandora. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Her name is Pandora, and she was the first human ever created. It's pretty significant. She received a bunch of gifts from the gods, and Zeus decided to give her two gifts, one of them being a box that is never meant to be open under any circumstances ever for no reason ever. And the second gift is an insane curiosity. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great gift. I know it's pretty, it's, it's pretty manipulative. Anyway, of course, Pandora eventually opens the box and out comes every sickness, sin, evil, nasty thing that ever existed in the world. And before she can successfully close the lid to keep out all of these nasty things, there's one last thing that wants to give out and it, she opens it up and out flies hope. And it's the Aww. last thing to be let out. And it actually is kind of a bummer because that box was only full of the evil things about the world. And it kind of makes you think about why hope would be considered evil. But if you think about it long enough, you can, it's, it's, you it's, can in, get there. you can get there. And that's the sad thing is yeah. because hope is so necessary, but it can, it can, it can drive a have a dark crazy. side. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. hope is the last thing to be let out of the little box of evils. Um, and you know, man is created, and so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah. Da 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 da. da. Huh. <laughs> anyway, um, so some of the details about that might not be familiar, but most people would probably recognize the name Hades and Zeus. Obviously, mm-hmm. Zeus. Um, also, Hera and Poseidon. Right. I mean, those are some pretty important. Those are pretty important names. 
Right. <laughs> and, like, I do recognize them, unfortunately, because of a lot of the, like, modern interpretations of uh -huh. Greek mythology, including Disney's Hercules. <laughs> and yeah. I did also, I watched the movie Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Uh -huh. I really want to read at least, like, one or two of those books. Yeah. Um, I read one for this class, and it was really, really good, actually. Yeah. And I, we're going to avoid talking about pop culture stuff um, in this particular episode, but mm -hmm. That's right. uh, as I was doing my research, I don't know, like, for some reason, it never, like, my brain never made the connection that, like, hey, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades are, like, brothers. No, me neither. They weren't just, like, you know, pulled into existence. Uh-huh. And I think that, actually, it's really important to understand that, because when you realize that, like, they were born, and they are siblings, and they have parents... It's very humanizing, which mm -hmm. is a good thing, because despite the fact that they are basically omnipotent, they <laughs> still act right. more like humans uh -huh. than a lot of other deities in other cultures do. Yes. They are I, very, they're very they obviously are imaged after man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're huge. Which jerks. is so funny because you always you always think that you would look to gods as like an example and to something to like to strive to make not these proud. gods but you don't care about these you don't I don't know I don't care about the opinion of any of these gods they've done far worse no. things than I could ever imagine doing <laughs> yeah they don't yeah. yeah I mean that's what obviously what makes it so much fun it's just really interesting that at some point these they were worshipped <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I guess we should kind of talk about the reason why Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades are the big three. Mm -hmm. um, in your telling of the creation myth, you did kind of gloss over the Titans just a little bit, or at the very yeah. least you didn't name them. And right. let's be honest, they're boring. No, I don't really care about the Titans. I don't want to talk about the Titans. <laughs> they basic. Yeah. <laughs> they're predictable. So, yeah. <laughs> Although I guess it should be noted that the Titans are basically just, like, older gods. Yeah. Right? In, Ancient in, gods, one might say. Yeah. Because in Disney's Hercules, and we, I think, do need to address this, the Titans, for whatever reason, are, like, these giant elemental creatures. Yeah, no, it's very intriguing, but it's not accurate. It's super, super not accurate. Yeah. But basically, they existed before the gods, and then mm. the gods were like, uh, we would like to be running this show, thanks. Mm -hmm. And so the gods went to war with the titans, and the end of that was most of the titans were defeated and mm -hmm. then punished, because that's what Greek gods do, is they yeah. just punish everybody. They punish everybody. Like no one else, man. <laughs> like, can we get a, a running tally of the word punish or punishment in oh, this episode? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. I think we're probably going to be saying it in every single story that we tell. For sure. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. huge theme. It's, it's, it's there. It's nuts. It's bonkers. Um, some of the Titans sided with the gods because they were like, yeah, we can see where this is going and we want to be on the winning side. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After the gods win, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades decide to split up uh, the realm, the world, mm -hmm. into three, and they draw lots. Zeus draws the long straw, or the, the best lot, mm -hmm. and he takes the heavens, and he becomes the ruler over Olympus and the gods. Oh, man. And, I mean... Recount! I know. They're all jerks, though. 
Yeah, like, they're all pretty would, bad. Would, would Poseidon or Hades really no, be better? No, I have a tendency to feel bad for Hades, but I don't think he's much better. They're all no, bad. And, and yeah, Poseidon gets the sea. That's great for Poseidon. Yeah, I also to be don't honest. care about Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's also a little bit boring. Like, he does stuff. Don't get me wrong. But... I'm just... There's better... Eh. Yeah, there, there's just better myths. And then Hades draws the short straw, and he gets the underworld. Right. And naturally, he is a little bit bitter about this, but he is yeah. also still a jerk. He doesn't try to make the best of a bad situation. Instead, he just kind of he gives sulks. into his selfish ways. He sulks, and he kind of favors anybody that, like, helps him out. And, of mm-hmm. course, being the king of the underworld, that means that anybody who sends him... Lots oh, yeah. of souls. He's got a lot so. of power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it should be noted that Hades is not... there. A big theme in Greek mythology is good, good versus evil, and it's not always going to be clear-cut in the myths who is good and who is evil, and... Someone in a previous myth, someone in a previous myth that was good is going to be evil in the next. Like I have, exa- we have examples of it. So mm-hmm. I mean, Hades has a lot of evil tendencies, but I would not consider him more evil than any of the other gods. He just no. kind of got a bad deal, <laughs> and no. and just kind of let it consume him, which is a human trait, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Hades, I don't know. I'm kind of fascinated by modern perspective of Hades Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I spend time on the trash social media site known as Tumblr oh my gosh I love Tumblr (laughs) (laughs) like it's one of those it's pizza it's my pizza right it's It's really it's bad for me and I know it's bad for me but I love it so much oh my gosh you know I understand (laughs) and (laughs) so there's this like weird perception of like Hades is just like the misunderstood angsty boy. Mm-hmm. He's not actually bad. He just got a bad lot in life. Yeah. And that's not no, that's not true. He was no, still he's, and he's completely responsible for for all the crappy things he does. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. The And the thing that actually bothers me the most is the tale of Hades and Persephone, because when mm. you frame Hades as this, like, angsty, misunderstood bad boy, it becomes really easy to be like, well, he was justified right. in kidnapping Persephone. That's so not just the point a- of the stories, though, you know? No, it's not. It's not to feel bad for any of them. No. How can you possibly feel bad for any of them? No, no, no. So a quick rundown of the story. Persephone was the daughter of Zeus and Demeter. Because despite the fact that Zeus was married to Hera, oh, that that dude can't keep it in his pants. Forever, forever just, unfaithful. Like, it's just always out, right? right? Like, always out and at the ready. Right. 100% That's of gross. the time. Yes, Sorry. True. No, true. It's it's true. So Demeter Demeter was a human. No, Demeter wasn't nope. human. She was a goddess. Most so of his affairs were with humans. Demeter was a goddess, which makes Persephone actually also a goddess. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, somebody who belongs to Olympus. Yeah. But like many women in Greek mythology, she has one fatal flaw, and that is her devastating beauty. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> so Demeter oh, takes Persephone gosh. far away from Olympus because there's just too many dudes looking at her. Yeah. And yeah. they actually take care of the earth and they make it flourish and bloom and grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, humans like this because they're like, hey, we like to eat and oh, we yeah. like having crops and yep. stuff. Well, Hades is kind of watching them from afar. He finds them despite the fact that they're like trying to hide from the rest of the gods. Mm-hmm. And Hades is like, I want her. And <sighs> so he takes her. So I'm going to get her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's Impulse simple control. logic, I guess. <laughs> it's Impulse not control. great logic, but... So he takes her to the underworld, and Demeter starts flipping out, because yeah. her daughter is gone. Oh, yeah. And she, like, goes into a depression, and because of her mood, the earth actually starts to die, and winter comes. Mm. And this is actually where the part of the myth becomes very important. It's not just a story because it is the myth of why we have seasons. Mm-hmm. So she gets very upset. The earth turns to winter and the humans are like, hey, we're like super not down for this. We were not prepared for this at all. So if you could find your daughter and cheer up, we would really appreciate it. Right. And... Depending on which interpretation of the myth that you read, um, either Zeus knows because he approved this union between Hades and Persephone, Mm -hmm. or um, I think it's like Helios knows because he's the sun and he sees everything, and so he tells Demeter. But the point is, it doesn't matter. Demeter finds Persephone, is like, hey, Hades, I'm super not cool with this. I'm taking her back. And Hades is like, Okay. And Demeter doesn't really pay attention to, like, this kind of sly sort of grin that comes on Hades' face. But she's like, you know, it doesn't matter. I have my daughter back. They kind of go on their way. But then Demeter finds out that Persephone ate six pomegranate seeds while she was in the underworld. Oh, I forgot about the pomegranate seeds. They're Mm -hmm. damning they are literally actually yeah. damning. Yeah. Because what nobody told Persephone, because let's be honest, nobody thought she would need this information. <laughs> when you are in the underworld, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything. So because she ate some pomegranate seeds, she now has to return to the underworld for half of the year. Uh, one month for each pomegranate seed that she ate. Hmm. Um, otherwise, like she starts to actually die. And Demeter doesn't want that, so she has to kind of reluctantly agree, all right, you can go back to the underworld and be Hades' wife for mm-hmm. half of the year, and I'm not happy with it, and that is why we have seasons, right. is because Persephone has to go back, and Demeter is sad for oh, yeah. six months out of the year. Symbolic? Again. Oh, man. That's an awesome story, and obviously does not put Hades in a great light. Um, I, man, I just, I have a really hard time with this story again, because so many people seem to romanticize it mm-hmm. like, oh no, Persephone actually really loves Hades. Oh, Persephone is actually like a really kick-ass lady and Hades like loves and supports her. And it's actually one of the healthiest oh. relationships in Greek mythology. All it is, is manipulation. It is. Yeah. And there, and are, no, there are no healthy relationships in Greek mythology, no, unfortunately. No. I really, so, there are none. 
yeah, whenever I see this, it's just kind of like one of those moments where I have to rub my temples and be like, what? <sighs> no, yeah. okay, no. It kind of reminds me of Harley Quinn and the Joker and how people romanticize their relationship, Yeah, too. yeah, which you can draw a lot of parallels there. Oh, yeah. You really can. Because ultimately, Harley Quinn, I don't know, the writers try and frame it as a voluntary, like, going over to... No, but it wasn't. It was, like, years side. of being manipulated yeah ground down yeah so unfortunately for the gods there aren't a ton of redeeming qualities there are some even zeus has some he's very strong and you know promotes some good at least or some Mm -hmm. order i guess you could say (laughs) some sort of yeah that's that's a nice neutral way of putting it right right but i mean if you out of all the main gods if you had to pick a favorite god uh whose would yours be who would yours be oh geez um Probably Athena. I think that even though, again, all Greek gods are jerks. Athena is no exception. Yeah. But she She does have a tendency. Yeah, she does have a tendency to give more gifts to mankind and, like, you know, humans that Mm -hmm. are going on quests and stuff. And depending on which interpretation you read of certain myths, she does have some redeeming qualities. Mm -hmm. Which. I actually have a myth involving Athena. <gasps> I do too, but it doesn't come until later. <laughs> okay. Wonder if it's the same one. Wait, so Maybe. give um give are you gonna give some background on who Athena is and stuff? Uh, I wasn't you... planning on it. Okay. She's actually the one that I have the least amount of stuff prepared for. Right. I mean she was the goddess of wisdom though, correct? Mm-hmm. Wisdom and the hunt. Uh and the hunt. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's intense. Wisdom and that sounds like a book title. Um, yeah. So she is a daughter of Zeus, although not of Hera. It's one of his affairs. And she is Zeus's favorite child. And he actually let her play with his lightning bolt all the time because that's safe. <laughs> yeah, so she was the favorite. She did do a few good kind of redeeming things. One of my favorite stories that involves Athena is actually the story of Athena and Arachne. Ooh. Which, if you are half decent at English, you're going to be like, Arachne, that sounds like arachnid, which means spider. Right. Which, yes, good job. You also would have done that to Helios, probably. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So the story of Athena and Arachne is actually just kind of a shortish one. Mm -hmm. Arachne was a, again, beautiful human woman that was really, really good at weaving. (laughs) <laughs> and Athena was not really happy about this because, like, she was supposed to be the best weaver ever, right? And so she didn't she even gets- care about her weaving reputation until a wreck. That's just <laughs> bullcrap. Keep your drama to yourself, Athena. <laughs> oh, the jealousy. It's such a common theme among the gods. Gods being jealous of humans. It's ridiculous. You're gods. Yeah, it's just like just. You're you have bu- you should be above it. <laughs> you have powers. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Like, so what if somebody can like jump, like do the long jump better than mm-hmm. you can? Mm-hmm. You can fly. The only <laughs> person know? I'm like slightly sympathetic with on that is Aphrodite, who is like really the the biggest thing she has going for her is you know like her sexual allure and. I, I can understand being Aphrodite, and if someone were to like step up and try to take that away from me, I'd I'd kind of, I'd I'd yeah. kind of have a tantrum too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
So anyway, Arachne's really good at weaving. <laughs> and at some point there is a challenge between the two. Again, there's like a lot of different interpretations of this story, mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to be using really vague terms. But, right, yeah. You-, you know, it covers as many of these interpretations as possible. Correct. So they have this weaving competition, and Arachne not only weaves better than Athena, but she also weaves a scene that is like offensive to the gods. What does <laughs> she do? Depending on the interpretation, it's like, the gods punishing humans because, of course, the gods don't want to be seen as these as, beings that yeah. are only punishing humans. They want to be seen as good. Fake news! <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, just something that depicts the gods in a negative light. Right. Athena lashes out at her mm-hmm. and either kills her or um, is so upset that Arachne kills herself. But in the end, Athena takes a little bit of sympathy on her and turns her into a spider so that even though she can't be a human, she can still weave continuously. Um. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, it could be a curse, you know, Yeah, but it could also be. be like, hey, instead of dying, you get to live on and you get to do the thing that you like. So she does do something to Medusa as well. She lashes out there, but I'll get to that later. Um, that's an awesome story. It's uh, pretty sad. Most of them are. The humans usually don't get out of jail free, where the gods mm-hmm. who can't be killed are just kind of like stomping around. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, they're just, yeah, they're just like little bugs to them. It's, yeah, um, there aren't a lot of, there aren't a ton of likable ones, likable gods, um, I was never I was never particularly disgusted by Hermes, who was the messenger god. But mm-hmm. I think and I think I actually I actually formed this opinion from my Greek mythology class, which means I just stole my teacher's opinion. But it's an awesome opinion that I want to share. Um, have I, you heard of Hephaestus? I have not. He is one of like the main he's a part of that whole entire thing. He is one of what, four or five um, legitimate sons of Zeus and Hera and no one knows who he is because he doesn't demand the spotlight and he's quiet and he keeps to himself and he's a blacksmith that makes all the weapons for all of the gods and he is actually really wholesome and good oh sounds like my kind of god he never offends anybody and it's it's and it's a huge bummer because eventually he and Aphrodite actually get paired up or they try to get, you know, their friends try to set them up or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and it doesn't work because Aphrodite is just not into Hephaestus because, you know, he's not a super impressive person. Yeah. So she goes after Ares, the god of war, and actually has an affair with him. Oh, okay. And he's just absolutely the worst. of all. He's, he's the worst. Awful. Just... I mean, he's the god of war. It's enough said, right? Yeah. He also yeah. was the actual son of Hera, um, of Hera and Zeus, and so it's actually even more of a burn. It's his own, like his own brother. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's nasty, yeah. nasty. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like I kind of spaced out there for a minute when you talked about like the gods trying to set them up because I started to imagine um, <laughs> Greek god Tinder. Oh my gosh. <gasps> We could actually really, really easily make that. Um, I bet, we, I mean, if we just had, like, a few images of, like, Tinder screens. And we could... <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. 
I, you wouldn't and feel then, you wouldn't feel okay swiping right on any of it if I'm being nope, honest. Nope, nope. You Except for Hephaestus. Mm-hmm. Man, mm, there's one guy. Yeah. Um, and then of course I thought about other dating like sites and applications, mm-hmm. and I was like, <laughs> okay, Cupid. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> it's a double layer joke. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> So we're talking about a lot of Greek myths and telling whole stories, but I just want to kind of dip really quickly into some of the gods' personal lives and stuff like that. Um, uh, and I want do we yeah, want to look at that? No, not really. But it's actually going to help <laughs> exemplify one of the biggest themes in Greek mythology, which is good and evil. So maybe while I'm saying these, try to think of who's the evil one and who's the good one in these stories, um, and we'll come back to them. Anyway, okay. so you know Hera and Zeus are married. Mm-hmm. Um, most people know that. But what you might not know is, is that while he was originally trying to court her, he actually tricked her and ended up raping her. And oh. they, she just kind of went with it, and they ended up getting married. And their marriage was really, really crappy. And at some point, Hera returned the favor and ended up drugging him and kidnapping and plotting to kill him with the rest of the gods. And he... I mean, you know, retaliation, I think, I think, I understand where she's coming from, but also really just treating each other really, really terribly. Um, And so he eventually escapes, obviously, and punishes her by hanging her by her neck in the sky. And of course, she can't die. She's immortal. Mm -hmm. So she's just in pain all night, just sobbing. And (sighs) it's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, with the marriage that started off so well, I know, I know, it's such a shocker. That so it I ends mean, so like, poorly. who, who was, who was the evil one there? You know, like who? They both did pretty, pretty terrible things, but who, who was good and who was bad? Is I, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, but Zeus. I mean, Zeus started it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's my inclination to say. Hey, Zeus started it, so he's the evil one, and right. Hera maybe took her retaliation a step too far, but mm-hmm. at least in the end, he wasn't violated. Right, so you know, that's, so yeah. who was worse? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's my answer. Okay, all right, cool. All right, so next we have Medusa. Most people know that Medusa turns people to stone, if you look her in the eye, and that she has snakes instead of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you might not know is that she was initially very beautiful and a pretty good person and was a priestess. She was human. She was a priestess for Athena. She actually ended up breaking her chastity vows by hooking up with Poseidon. And Athena was so enraged by that that she turned her into the image that we know of. And she was evil from then on. Medusa was mm-hmm. Cursed to be evil. And actually, her only reprieve was when she was killed by Prometheus, um, interestingly enough, who owed a king um, her head. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. It's another, it's a, it's, another, it's another Game of Thrones kind of icky yeah. kind of thing. Ooh. You know, owing kings heads. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, who would you say was good and evil in that one? I think it's, it seems pretty clear, doesn't it? It... So it kind of seems clear, mm-hmm. but what you may not know is that I know another version of the myth. Really? I mean, where... I know Medusa ended up actually being pretty evil. <laughs> well, see, the the version of the myth that I'm familiar with is that Poseidon actually raped her. 
in mm. Athena's temple. And oh my gosh. So that makes it so much worse, doesn't it? And Athena was just so upset that Medusa dared defile her yeah. temple that uh, that was how she was cursed to become a gorgon. So <laughs> it seems clear cut, right. depending on which story that right. you tell. And this is just but another... it's funny because the version that you tell really like it's still clear cut either way. But in one version. Like, it's definitely Medusa that uh-huh. is the evil one, whereas in the other one... It's, it's not like, even considered that it, it's probably Poseidon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wow, wow. I'm really I'm really glad that I was able to learn something about that. I, ugh. Yeah, that just makes it a little bit ickier. Well, I mean, which Greek myth isn't? Mm-hmm. You're right, you're right. And I mean, that's so I'm actually going to bring up Hercules again, which is a really someone that people think they're really familiar with because Hercules is actually widely considered to be a hero. I'm it's mm-hmm. everyone knows that Hercules is a hero. But the definition of the hero of a hero is a little bit different. It's it's not someone that always does good. It's someone that ha- is taking part in the hero's journey, which is the second big theme that I wanted to talk about in Greek mythology, the hero's journey. Um Hercules actually pronounced Heracles. Um you may know that he was a hero and was super strong, and was half god, half human. Um, but what you may not know is that Meg, or Megara, in, you know, in the cartoon, was actually real, and was his first wife. Um, yeah. Um, he ended up killing her and his children, though. Um, I'm not entirely sure. To be honest, Heracles is not super bright, and really hot-tempered, and really impulsive. He ends up killing his wife and children, and tries to get married again, because you know second time's a charm. And yes. um, but he's not intelligent. He's really hot tempered, yeah. and he is pleasure driven, and is kind of an animal in that way sometimes because he kind of lets it get away from him sometimes. Um, he's actually gone so far as to wound some gods um, because of his temper. He actually, when Ew. he was too hot one day, he threatened to shoot the sun with an arrow. Which I mean. Just not cool. And also, are you an idiot? <laughs> like, are you yeah, stupid? <laughs> clearly, you have to throw a javelin. Oh, yeah. An arrow's no, not you gotta get it. that distance in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so for all of his bad flaws, which is essential to a true hero, is that they are not perfect, that they do have a flaw. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least one flaw in this case. He really was incredibly loyal and... Um, was the hardest on himself when he came down from his little temper tantrums. Um, Hera hated him because he was not his son, but was Zeus's son. So, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it again, but it reminds me of Game of Thrones again. Just the hatred for someone that doesn't really deserve it, you know? Yeah. But you, yeah. who else do you direct it to? Anyway, and so... Well, uh, Zeus. <laughs> shoot, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That was terrible how, on my part. How, how is it? No, but it brings up a really good point. Yeah. How is it that Zeus gets away with all of this? Yeah. Honestly. I mean, obviously, he is the like king of the gods, mm-hmm. and so he kind of has that position of power where he can get away with a lot of stuff. Right. But come on. Like, there's got to be at least one instance where someone was like, you know what? This is your fault, Zeus. Oh, yeah. You get to own up to it. Well, I mean, whoever says that is going to get a lightning bolt to the face, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's really unfortunate. It's really, He really is. He's in a really good spot for Zeus and no one else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, Heracles, he, it's a little bit different than the Hercules some people might be familiar with, but the essential characteristics of a hero are that he is flawed and, um, to quote Spider-Man, <laughs> actually, the Green <laughs> Goblin says, the only thing people love more than a hero is when a hero fails and falls and dies trying. Mm-hmm. And um, you can kind of see, I, I mean, I, I understand that it, it's horrible, but I mean, I totally get it. When, when, you have, when you're rooting for a hero and they end up dying, they become like this symbol of something bigger than maybe they actually were, you know? Um, so that's really essential to making a hero a hero is just that kind of um, immortalization of their memory, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Heracles went through some trials. Some people might be familiar with them. They're pretty interesting. They do involve a hydra. But I, I don't want to go into too much detail. I just want to... Um, well, it's a very, very long story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he... Now, this is where I'm not super familiar with... Mm-hmm. Greek mythology. Is he the one that had a set amount of challenges that he had to do? I believe so. That it's either that that it's either him or Perseus or Theseus. Mm-hmm. I th- oh, maybe it's Theseus cuz Perseus was the one that needed to get the Gorgon's head. Okay, yep, that's right. And, yep. Yeah. So it was Theseus that had to oh, do this. Oh man, of- I there's an inaccuracy there. I said Prometheus owed a king a head and I, I meant to say Perseus. Shoot. Oh well. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, okay. So Obviously, I don't want you to go into the whole story because um, Hercules did a lot of things. And even though I don't know his whole story, I don't know. Whenever I hear a new myth about him, I'm just like, yeah, okay, that tracks. Like, you could could tell me that he did anything and I would just be like, "Eh, you know what? He did enough tasks that... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna question it too hard. Right, right. You can take him for his word, maybe. Yeah, he's um he's an interesting character, and um I did mention before that Heracles killed his first wife. Um, he did remarry eventually, and he met this second wife while she was being or attempting to be raped by a centaur that was just you know wreaking havoc. No. And he attempts to uh, try or he tries to rescue her. And before, before he can get her, the centaur convinces her that his blood will um, be a really powerful love potion that will work on Heracles. So she believes him. I'm not entirely sure why. And she takes his blood. And um, if I read the account correctly, it's also a mixture of his own semen. And she soaks one of Heracles' uh, cloaks in it. And he puts it on and it starts burning his skin. And being a demigod, he can't die from being burned alive. He starts suffering for a really long time and builds a shrine to the gods and they finally relieve him. And he was considered a god from there on, or at least he was worshipped like a god from there on. And oh, okay. Yeah, you know. He ended up with a gal named Hebe who was up in the heavens, who was one of Zeus's and Hera's other full-blood children. And from then on, you know, was just kind of living yeah. the life that gods live in Olympus, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's That's a, good. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's good. It's um, it's a really essential myth. At least parts of his story are really essential in understanding what the hero's journey is. Because yeah. it is about trials and failing and flaws, <laughs> you know? Right. Which is actually right. really beautiful if you think about it. I mean, his flaws were awful. But I, I mean, and I won't even say I'm sympathetic with him, but I am more sympathetic with heroes 
that have problems that aren't perfect. You know, we've had this discussion before with Superman, who's too perfect. You know, like there's nothing, there's nothing at all understandable about him or human or even natural. But, you know, Heracles is prone to fits of rage and it, it destroys his family. You know, he, it's awful, but he, the the juxtaposition of you know his good qualities yeah just really make him a lot more human to me yeah yeah absolutely it does um i agree with your first point about the greek mythology hero's journey being essential to storytelling um i mean throughout all of human history Mm -hmm. you know you've got the initial like trial and then the growth Mm -hmm. and the consequences and the rewards and that's something that has obviously really impacted storytelling in in human history. And there's a lot of tales that I really wish we had the time to get into. Mm -hmm. I I really wish we had time to go over all of Heracles's um, trials. And I wish that we had the time to go into the Odyssey because there's like so many essential Greek myths there. Oh my. And, you know, the trials of Theseus who, if and if I recall correctly, he actually had like a set amount of trials to do. Right, right. I think so. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that was Theseus. Yeah, and it's just it's it's such a shame. But I do have one story. What <laughs> this is this will be the last story that I tell. Okay, today. cool, cool. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, that I am absolutely fascinated by, and it's actually kind of like the opposite of a hero's journey, and mm. that's partly why I am fascinated by it right um and then there's another reason which i will get to at the very end i as i was just kind of going through my research for this particular episode stumbled upon daedalus who is a um mythological figure that i had never run into before and i never took a greek mythology class i just kind of have like this cursory casual knowledge of greek mythology so, for me, this is a deep cut. Maybe for other people, this is not a deep cut. But he ends up being really important because his story ends up intersecting with a lot of other people's stories. Mm-hmm. So, you're going to hear a lot of names that you're like, oh, I recognize that. Yeah. And you don't even realize, like, it's the same guy that's kind of like the engine behind some of the things that happen in these stories. Oh. So... If Daedalus wasn't such an egotistical jerk, um, his story would be the tragic tale of a man whose gifts end up being more of a curse. As it is, his story starts off with the murder of his protege and nephew. So his record doesn't exactly start off clean. (laughs) He was banished from Athens, and he finds himself in the service of King Minos in Crete. Uh-huh. Now, um, now this is the first kind of story that interweaves with other stories, mm-hmm. um, with with the story of King Minos, and so you kind of have to understand a little bit of King Minos' story yeah. to understand how Daedalus gets uh, there. King Minos uh, wanted to um, earn the favor of the gods, and he wanted to honor the gods. And of course, the gods are like, "Oh, well, of course, if you want to like stroke our ego." <laughs> We are happy to enable you to do that. And so Poseidon sends him this gorgeous bull to sacrifice to the gods, which is kind of a concept that's really weird to me to begin with. Like, like a bowl. oh, here, here's a gift for you that you are going to in turn give back to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty symbolic. slimy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Symbolic. Okay. <laughs> 
But because it was a bull that was sent by the gods, Mm -hmm. uh, it was very, very beautiful. And King Minos kind of saw that and was like, oh, I don't want to sacrifice that gorgeous creature. I want to keep it for myself. (laughs) The gods, you know, they're sitting there. They're waiting for their sacrifice. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And the sacrifice never comes. Hmm. And rather than following up... (laughs) I do. Like... Whenever up. I'm waiting for my sacrifices, I think I'm pretty flexible right. with with the timing on it. But like, but there are better systems. <laughs> there's, yeah, and and not only that, but there are still deadlines. <laughs> gotta make those deadlines. Make Don't those know deadlines. why, but you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> so Poseidon's really upset about this. He's like, I wanted that bull back, and I wanted it dead in my name. So. <laughs> He goes and he checks it out and finds out that King Minos just kind of kept it for himself and decides to punish King Minos in the most indirect way possible. He makes King Minos's wife fall madly in love with the bull. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, it gets so much worse. Oh, that's weird. Minos's wife cannot get this bull out of her head. She happens to know a rather resourceful inventor by the name of Daedalus who might be able to help her out. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, I've got this problem. What do you suggest? And Daedalus is like, I've got just the solution for you. And so he makes a cow suit for Minos's wife. Oh no, I I remember this. And like, I'm going to leave it at that. I'll let you fill in the rest for yourself. Um, because nine months later, she has a son. Um, or, you know, a close approximation of a son, because he is only human from the neck down. From the neck up, he has the head of a bull. Yeah. King Minos is horrified by this monster, and he asks Daedalus to build a special prison for it. Mm-hmm. Which, presumably, King Minos does not know Daedalus's hand in this mess Mm -hmm. uh otherwise i don't think minos would ask him for help (laughs) right i just i wouldn't want to at this point it's not help it's um it's 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 not help it's not help at all it's it's just not (laughs) it's not it's the opposite of that so daedalus comes up with the idea of a labyrinth a structure with never-ending corridors one that's impossible to get out of and that would actually drive a person mad before they could even get close to finding their way out anyway Mm -hmm. Um, In some versions of the story, even Daedalus is caught in the maze, and it takes him so long to find a way out that he almost starves to death. Daedalus completes the structure, and his reward is imprisonment! Mm. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Minos is actually, like, worried that Daedalus is going to bolt and tell all of his enemies about the secret of the labyrinth, and so he makes the rational decision to put Daedalus and Daedalus' son Icarus in a high tower with hmm. no hope of escape. And here's a name that a lot of people familiar, recognize yeah. Icarus. Yeah. I don't know why Icarus is there. There's not a lot of mention of like Daedalus's wife or mm-hmm. if he even like had a wife. Right, but Icarus or, is there. But Icarus is there and Icarus is Daedalus' son. Okay. 
Douglas is smart, though, and even though he sees that he's in a high tower and all of the like seaports are well guarded, there's still birds flying around and flying <laughs> in and out of this tower. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I've got a solution. And he gathers up as many feathers as he can, and he gathers up as much wood from his prison mm-hmm. that he can he can possibly salvage without compromising the structural integrity of his right, room. Right. And asks for a lot of candles from the guards for wax, and he puts together two pairs of wings. One for him and one for his son. Now, there's definitely a lot of nervousness involved <laughs> with this, after all. Jumping out of a high tower is not something that most people are inclined to do all willy nilly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plus, but the wings a, work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the wings work, and Daedalus is like, "Uh, sweet, let's let's just get out of here." And so he and Icarus fly away. Now, as they're flying, Daedalus tells Icarus, "Hey, these are not exactly structurally sound wings, mm-hmm. so don't fly too low." Because if you get too close to the sea, the water is going to dampen the feathers and weigh you down and you won't be able to fly. Also, don't get too high because the sun is going to melt your wings. Mm-hmm. Now, spoiler alert. Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> now, Icarus, being a teenage boy and presumably only listening to half of what his dad said, <laughs> or, and, and I like to assume this part. Um, if he did listen, deciding that he's okay to push the boundaries of mm-hmm. what's acceptable. Um, you don't know because me? It, well, and not only that, but he's like, Dad, you don't exactly have a good track record of good advice. Right. So, I mean, you'd hope he'd also realize he doesn't have a good track record with his previous inventions, too. But Yeah, whatever. That, that's yeah. also true. <laughs> um, just saying, like... Icarus deciding to do the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what his dad said is actually, I think, a well thought out and rational decision, because at this point, doing the opposite of what Daedalus wants you to is, is the- probably the thing you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not how the story goes. Nope. The story goes that Icarus just doesn't listen to his dad, and he starts to fly higher and higher, and the wings melt, and he plunges into the sea, dies, drowns. Mm-hmm. And his dad is just too late to save him right. before he passes away. Another famous painting, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, The Fall of Icarus. Yep. I find it interesting that this myth is taught to young kids because it has to be so selective mm-hmm. about the way that you tell it to kids. Yeah. Because the moral of the story is supposed to be, hey, listen to your elders or you will die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But the moment you delve into Daedalus' story and you find out what an irresponsible jerk he is, mm-hmm. it's really no wonder that Icarus didn't listen oh, to Oh, yeah. Him. No, it's completely understandable why he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, really, the moral of the story is more like, I don't know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, possibly. Maybe. Or maybe, um, hmm, yeah, what could be a better one? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Daedalus is a smart guy, and... I mean, his problem is that he's so driven by his desire for attention right. that he doesn't learn from his previous mistakes. And so he's constantly making these literal mm. death traps. Yep. Actual literal death traps. Yeah, the Minotaur, I mean, even though it wasn't his direct invention, ended up being like this horrible thing that killed... Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I guess the moral of the story is, like, be smart, but don't be a show-off. Right. 
use judgment and don't use wax in structural (laughs) wax wax is not a good adhesive it's not that is the moral of the story i mean i appreciate him using what he had but yeah 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 Usually my okay, I like that one. Yeah, that's that a good one, one is a good one. Yeah, so it's kind of like the opposite of the hero's story because he's constantly making his own mistakes and right. he doesn't actually make it better. Well, you know, I I find it interesting because in most of the Greek myths that I remember and I'm super familiar with, it's always the gods like stomping around and kind of kind of leaving humans to clean up their mess or even just kind of. Being really destructive. Leaving a trail of death. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting because Daedalus is a human and he's doing what the gods are doing, you know? He is just as destructive as them. I mean, way to go, man. Yeah. No, I think the gods just kind of like looked at him and were like, nah, man, you Uh got this. No, go ahead. I don't (laughs) want to get mixed with that. Yeah, we don't need to punish you. You, You're doing a good job of that on your own. Yep. Yeah, I it's I I really I really enjoy that story. It has that familiar Icarus part, but then it it does add such an interesting it adds such an interesting perspective on it when you realize that Daedalus really was just kind of a bumbling mad genius kind of a guy, you know. Yeah. So, I mentioned the Minotaur, but it sounds like you have more information. Yeah, the Minotaur is really interesting and also super gruesome. So, Audrey mentioned where the men. Well, I don't think you mentioned where the Minotaur came from, but it's pretty obvious where the Minotaur came from. And so he's in this labyrinth. He's an unnatural beast, so he eats humans. It's just, you know. That's what he do. It's how he rolls. Um, so Minos put him there until, you know, aptly named Minotaur. So Minos had a son named Androgeus. Androgeus decided to participate in some games that were taking place in Athens, which, you know, I strongly suspect might have been the Olympics or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, he goes to Athens and ends up getting killed in these games. And uh, King Minos is not okay with this. He's very upset. So he naturally takes it out on the entire city of Athens and requires that every year as penance for what they've done to his son, they send 14 young people to be sacrificed uh, to the Minotaur. To essentially just be thrown in this maze and to be hunted down. Seems reasonable. Does that sound familiar, though? Does it sound like a pretty (laughs) familiar, like, you know, Hunger Games? That's what it is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's okay if you didn't know. (laughs) No, it it was kind of a loose one, but it's it's absolutely drawn from, inspiration is absolutely drawn from that story. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, it did take me a it's second. It's okay. It was like, it does sound familiar, but I can't. But I can't really think, you I know, can't I totally place understand. my finger on it. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, Hunger Games. Yeah, so Hunger Games could be considered kind of a loose retelling of the story about the Minotaur. I honestly, I think some people might say, yeah, but it's less, you know, gruesome. You know, it's totally not. It's. No. You know, the horror of this story is the fact that they are youths that are being sent into this maze. He didn't just demand people. He demanded young people to be sent as a sacrifice. It's really, really sad. So, yeah, the story about the Minotaur was particularly interesting to me because of its clear influence on the Hunger Games, something that is just so popular worldwide. And people, people know details. People would know details about the story of Minotaur without even knowing it. You know, mm-hmm. if they just kind of knew the story that was inspired by it. Um, yeah, so for our part two episode, actually, that's what we're going to be talking about is the influence of Greek mythology within culture, which is one of my favorite parts about 
the mythology class I took. I know I talk about it so much, but it really was just so much fun. Um, oh, yeah, another another thing that she liked her students to do was to find the influences of Greek mythology just all over the place, whether they're in songs or images or words or anything, because honestly, it's everywhere, everywhere. And you mm-hmm. and you don't even realize it. I mean, you see, you probably see it about at least 10 times a day, I would guess, or encounter Ooh. it at least 10 times a day. It is really, I mean, maybe that's an over, I don't think it's an overestimation because, I mean, even like look at the son of Minos, Androgeus, obviously like mm-hmm. a root word for androgynous and androgyny like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, really just, it's just, it seeped its way into and everything and into everything it's all over the place everything. it's a big deal yeah if you don't already think it's a big deal start start thinking buddy <laughs> <laughs> question everything yeah, question and everything ask you yourself believe. is this greek <laughs> is this greek 90 percent of the time it will probably be yes <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so yeah in case you didn't catch that we are going to be doing a part b mm-hmm. uh for greek mythology we just decided that there was too much to try and tackle in one episode. Right. And given that they're kind of two separate uh-huh. subjects, um, you know, having a part A where we talk about some of our favorite myths and some of our favorite influences and doing a part B where we talk about what has been influenced by them um, is something that we're actually really excited yeah. to do. So, um, I don't know that part B is necessarily going to be our next episode, I but it will come. It is, yeah, it, it is going to come um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, just kind of depends on some of our recording schedules, and also, um, as I mentioned in the previous episode, we have a few kind of ambitious, very exciting things that we are looking forward to doing. Yeah. <laughs> and if we happen to get to those first, so then those will come out first. Right. Um, I do want to take a minute to wrap it up and talk about our social media. Yeah. And, you know, kind of touch on that a little bit because we, we've been neglecting it so much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, we, we, we started all of these accounts and we just haven't been promoting it. And so they've kind of just been floating out there. Right. Not a lot of followers. Nope. Not a lot of content either. Nobody knows that they exist. Nope. So I run the Twitter account. Uh, we are at kittens and Kanye and, uh, I, I'm going to, try and be better about tweeting out some of our favorite Mm -hmm. things because the whole point of this podcast is that we want to talk about things that make us happy and we want to share that with um, other people and talk about the things that are you know make us feel enthusiastic about our day-to-day lives and our interactions with each other yeah and part of that is just kind of emphasizing some of the smaller things we talk about the bigger things in the podcast but there's a lot of small things that i really appreciate and and so uh, if there is something that you want to share with us yeah. on Twitter, I will be happy to retweet it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I run the Instagram account, which is at Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. I try to post uh, at least every two weeks to just announce the release of our new episodes. I do have a few things up that, I mean, if you check them out and you commented, I would love to talk to anybody that wants to chat about some of the things we talked about. Um, I will try to be a little bit more active on Instagram as well. I would like to do more um, frequent posts about not necessarily just our episodes, but just little, you know, little posts every day about little things too. Like, like Audrey said, just little things that we can talk about what we like. So we can just make Mm -hmm. our days a little happier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Feel free to email us at kittenwhiskersandkanye at gmail.com if there is maybe um, something that you'd like us to talk about in a future potpourri mm-hmm. episode. Yes. Um, or if, if there's something interesting that you think would make a... Oh, man. I'm kind of nervous to kind of open it up to like, I know. hey, send us suggestions for episodes. But... Um, I think you know, it'd be if so much we see fun. something, yeah, if we see something that we are genuinely interested and enthusiastic, yeah, uh, about, then absolutely we'll go for it. We we've got plenty of material. Oh that yeah, we we can work with, and plenty of episodes that we have planned for right. the future. It's it's not a lack of material, but uh-huh. uh, well, you know, we want to kind of turn this into a community. Yeah, because we clearly have listeners. I just want to know who you are. <laughs> yeah, like whoever you are in Rhode Island. Oh. Did, did I tell you that we have a listener in Rhode Island? No, but that just warms my little heart for some reason. Doesn't it? I don't know who you are, person in Rhode Island, but just know that I love you so much. Yeah, like, that, what a... Wow. Yeah. It's a big and self-esteem everybody, boost. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to everybody that's, like, told us um, personally, like, that they've been listening and what yeah. they're doing while they're listening to it, thank you. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, just just let us know, like, what you like. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. Um, or at the very least, rate us. We really, really appreciate that. And if there is a particular episode that you like, uh, that you've enjoyed, link to it. Share it with your friends. Yeah, that that would be super cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we'd really appreciate that. So, that being said, Carmen... Thank you for recording with me today. Yeah, thanks for thanks for chatting it up, you know. Yeah, and I look forward to next time. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm Audrey Stratton. I'm Carmen Thorley. And this has been Kitten Whiskers and Kanye.